Welcome to BLHQ. I'm Jenny Belly. And I'm Stella Chu. This is our weekly podcast breaking down the Don May Webb novel, Heaven Officials Blessing, written by MXCX. We deep dive a few chapters at a time and discuss themes, cultural backgrounds, and our overall reactions. Spoilers abound and screaming will be had, so you have been warned. A recap of last week, Jinwoo is revealed to be white no-face, and he defeats and imprisons all the heavenly officials of the upper court. Shanana is able to contact Hwatsun through Shi Chuan and the soul-shifting spell. Yinyu finds him, and together they try and dig under the palaces to gather all the gods, but Jinwoo finds out and captures Yinyu and Shanana. When Shanana regains consciousness, he finds himself tied to a chair by Roy A, and Yinyu and Kwan Zen are seen in the next room through a mirror. Jumu patronizes Shadan for trying to escape. And that brings us to chapter 212. Unable to be perfect, a heart filled with regrets. The mirror is showing the other side of the wall. Yin Yu shakes Kwan Zen to wake him up. Kwan Zen's face is so beaten up that he can't speak clearly. He Shang, who beat me up this now? Was it Ye? And then he remembers what happened. Oh, it was the emperor who beat me up. He snatched away your shovel. Do you want me to snatch it back? Shelyon realizes that they are in Kwani Zen's palace. Jinwoo caught Yinyu when he was looking for Kwani Zen. When Jinwoo walks behind Shelyon, he lowers his head and secretly mouths, Lord Windmaster, are you still there? But instead of Xin Chuan responding, Jinwoo says from behind, of course not. I suddenly remember that the barrier locking the heavenly capital seems to have leaks, so I've only just barred the soul-shifting spell too. Shaylan is speechless. Jinwoo pats his shoulder and says kindly, And to think, it was I who taught you the soul-shifting spell back then. Shenla has been making practical use of all the things I've taught you. I'm very pleased. Then Jinwoo leaves and appearing inside the mirror, Kwani Zen and Yinyu are alarmed. And Kwan Zen jumps up to his feet to fight. Jinwoo swings his hand and Kwan Zen is smacked back to his bed, causing the entire bed to collapse. He falls to the ground, unconscious again. Yinyu moves defensively and Jinwoo says, No need to be so tense. Think of it this way. Even if you're on guard, it'd be pointless. So why not relax a bit? My dear Yinyu, I don't think I've ever chatted with you like this before in the past. Am I right? Yinyu replies cautiously, That seems to be the case. In the past, Yinyu was below average in rank among the heavenly officials and was always nervous when Jinwoo passed by. Even now he feels nervous. Yinyu says, But there are many heavenly officials I've never conversed with before in the first place, and those who didn't know of me. Jinwoo replies, it's not necessarily true. There are many who know you, even if you've never met them before. They know of you. Yinyu is taken aback. Really? Jinwoo says, because many know of your shidi. When your shidi is mentioned, the subject of you has often been raised, the one that's a foil. These are extremely piercing words and said in an emotionless, objective tone, simply stating the truth, which makes it sting more. Yinyu hangs his head and clenches his fists. After a long moment, Yinyu says, my lord, what do you want? You're already the heavenly martial emperor. Nothing can bar you, the greatest martial god of the three realms. No one can shoulder your position. So why are you doing this? Just what do you want? 
But instead of answering, Jinru asks, Yin Yu, do you want to return to the upper court? Xiaoyan and Yin Yu are shocked. Is Jinru seriously trying to get Yin Yu to change sides? Jinru says, I don't think you actually like being a mere errand boy in the ghost realm in the lower world. Yin Yu replies, My lord thinks too much. There's never a choice of like or dislike. Xianan despairs and Jinru smiles, since this answer has shown Yin Yu's true feelings. If Yin Yu liked his position, he would have said, I liked it very much. But answering vaguely shows he dislikes it after all. Jin Yu says that Yin Yu comes from a famous household, born and raised in an influential sect and ascended to godhood. He's only in the ghost realm now because he has no choice. If he's not happy with his current position, it's because he didn't want to be there in the first place. Yin Yu says weakly, Cheng Zhu has shown me grace. He saved me. Jin Wu replies, I know. He even helped you pacify and send off the resentful spirit of Jian Yu who died during banishment. Am I right? Yin Yu replies, yes. So whether I'm satisfied with the current position, it's all. But Jin Wu interrupts him. That's dissatisfaction. You are bound by his grace and have nowhere to go. So you're only forcing yourself. Yin Yu hangs his head and falls silent. Xiaoyan is nervous. Right now, Yin Yu looks extremely weak, and he can guess what Jin Wu is planning. Jin Wu then asks Yin Yu, Let me ask you another question. Have you shown Kuan Yizhen any grace? Yin Yu says nothing. Jin Wu says, Why must he place himself in an unsatisfactory position just because Watson showed kindness and grace? But when Yin Yu showed Kuan Yizhen grace, he made him fall so low. Jin Wu continues to poke at all of Yin Yu's sore spots. Yin Yu, to be in the habit of belittling yourself in order to help others is no good habit. You must know, no one will thank you. Yin Yu has spent his entire life trying to ascend, trying to get a good position in the upper court. Even after Quan Zen turned Yin Yu into an embarrassment, he still endured and struggled to remain in heaven. Isn't that because he wanted to stay in heaven? Jin Wu says that Yin Yu belongs in heaven. If not for Quan Zen making a mess of everything and robbing what should have always been Yin Yu's, who does he think he is? Yin Yu has given much more than Quan Yizhen ever has. In the upper court, Quan Yizhen has no friends or supporters because his mind is simple, ignorant, blunt, and savage. Yin Yu's mind is much more mature and wise. He knows the way of the world better than him. He knows when to advance and when to withdraw, and he's willing to put in an effort. If Yin Yu had Quan Zen's natural talents and spiritual powers, then he would have much more achievements than Quan Zen, and everyone would respect him. Yin Yu finally says, I'm not understanding why my lord is saying all this. All ifs are meaningless. His spiritual powers are his. But then suddenly he screams and raises his hand. Pure white spiritual light is bursting out of his hand, so bright that it's blinding. Yin Yu is confused. He's never been that strong before. Whose spiritual power is this? Jinru replies that the power isn't his, but if he chooses wisely, all the spiritual power will belong to him. Yin Yu looks over to Kuan Zen, who has awoken again and looks confused. Jinru says, that's correct. This is Kuan Zen's spiritual power. Yin Yu is shocked. How is Kuan Zen's spiritual power inside him? How is that possible? Jinru replies that fates can be switched. Why not spiritual powers? It's actually a simple task for a great heavenly official. Yin Yu is horrified and tries to shake off the light in his hands, but it only blasts energy from his fingers, causing an entire row of walls to blow apart. 
Kuan Yizan's divine statue collapses and the roof is about to cave in. Yin Yu is so shocked he dares not to move again. Jin Wu smiles and says, Don't be nervous. Take your time. Just keep it packed in. Yin Yu grabs his own hand, shaking and terrified. Jin Wu says, Yin Yu, let me ask you again. Do you wish to return? Yin Yu pants with blood red eyes but says nothing. Jin Wu says again, If you wish to return, not only can I help you remove the cursed shackle, I can also transfer all of Kwani Zen's spiritual powers to you. Hearing this, Kwani Zen is dumbstruck. Even Shaitan shouts, Are you crazy? Jin Wu says slowly, And from now on, there will never be another who only knows of Qin Yi, but not of Yin Yu. Who would dare not to remember your name? Nevermore will there be anyone. Yin Yu stumbles a few steps back. His mind is a complete mess. Shailan is tense, watching the scene, gripping his chair and leaning forward. Shailan can tell that deep in Yin Yu's heart, he wants to be in heaven. But he's not sure about his feelings towards Kuan Zen. Does he have any resentment in his heart? There's so much history between the two of them. It's possible that Yin Yu has some hatred towards his Shidi. Shailan also doesn't know Yin Yu well enough to guess what he'll decide. Yin Yu is still stumbling back until he falls to the ground with his face in his hands. After a moment, he looks up and his eyes have grown cold and somber. He glares at the beaten up Kuan Zen for a long time and says, My lord, are you really able to give me all of his spiritual powers? Shenan's heart sinks. Kuan Zen's mouth opens in shock. Shishong? Jinwu offers to give all of his powers now to prove it. Yu asks if Kuan Yizhen can seal them back. Jinwu replies that unless Yu willingly returns it to him or dies, it will be impossible to steal the powers. Yu then hesitates and asks what will happen to Kuan Yizhen after the powers are transferred. Will he die? Jinwu says that nothing will happen. Just the process is a bit painful, that's all. But who hasn't suffered pain in this world? Yin Yu is free to deal with Kuan Yizhen afterwards, however he sees fit. Yin Yu then asks, what about the other heavenly officials? They all know the truth. Jin Wu smiles and says, so what if they know? They're all but ants that can be squished with one hand. Annihilate them all, bring up a new batch of heavenly officials, and you change your name and face, make up a new background. Who would be the wiser? He says this so calmly, as if it's as easy as replacing a cup of cold tea with a new one. Yin Yu then asks, In the new upper court, me, what would be my new identity? Jin Wu replies, Ling Wen is my left hand, and you shall be my right. There will be no others above you besides me. Yin Yu grits his teeth and says, Very well. Pray my lord will remember the promise made to me today. Jinwu says, as you wish. Immediately, Kwani Zen starts writhing on the ground, his face twisted with pain and screaming as blood flows out from all of his orifices. He clutches his head and rolls around in great agony. At the same time, spiritual light suddenly emits from Ying Yu's body. He raises his hand and waves it, making the entire palace collapse. Ying Yu stares at his hand in wonder and says, I've never possessed such strong powers before. He looks to Kwani Zen, who is still screaming on the ground. Poor Kwani Zen. Poor boy. Jin Wu smiles smug and says that from now on, all that power belongs to Yin Yu. But just then, 
Yin Yu suddenly raises his hand and blasts white light at Jin Wu. He creates a circle of light around Jin Wu's feet, trapping him inside. But Jin Wu is calm as he watches Yin Yu pull Kuan Yin up and says, Yin Yu, to renege at the last minute, are you not going to give me an explanation? Yin Yu ignores him and he pulls Kuan Yin onto his back. Jin Wu says, What you're doing is certainly worthy of praise, a man of class. However, is this your true heart? You've endured and aggrieved yourself for hundreds of years. Are you going to keep enduring? Jin Wu keeps antagonizing him. Do you truly not resent the one you're saving right now? Even if you do not resent, do you not hate? Yin Yu finally loses his patience and shouts, I do resent him. I do hate him. So what? My lord, my lord, you, why must you remind me of this? Yes, I hate him. So what? He's given me so much trouble. Of course I hate him. But, but I only, I only wanted to just hate him. It doesn't mean I have to hurt him. What's that should have been mine? Other people's possessions? I don't want them. Xuanyang lights up from the other side of the mirror. Well said. Yin Yu continues. I do want to return to the heavens. I do want to be ranked in the top 10. But if I didn't manage all that on my own, then it's completely meaningless. I'm unlucky. I accept it. If I'm not as powerful as him, that at the very least I can admit I'm not as powerful as him. Admitting that I can't compare isn't that hard. Shelyon is amazed by Yin Yu's pride. Kwanizan bursts into tears and snot and says, Zhishang, I'm sorry. Yin Yu says angrily, You don't need to apologize to me anymore either. Either way, you wouldn't understand no matter how much you say sorry. I've really had enough of you. Jin Wu sighs and waves his hand. Exhilarating. I imagine you and Shen Le must get along very well. Then he easily exits the circle of light and approaches Yin Yu. He says, I had pretty much guessed that that's how you would respond, so I didn't remove your curse shackle beforehand. Yin Yu raises his wrist and is shocked to see that the curse shackle is still there, but it is now tightened so fast that it looks like his hand will snap off. The curse shackle starts to suck his blood, turning his entire arm pale white. Shadan lunges forward but only manages to fall to the side, still tied to the chair. He hears the sound of fighting and then a moment later sees Jin Wu's boot step towards him. Jinwoo crouches down and shows Shelyon a crimson curse shackle full of blood. He pets his head and tells Shelyon to bid his friends farewell. Roye is untied and Shelyon immediately leaps up to punch Jinwoo's face, but he misses and instead runs towards the door. In the next room, Yinyu is shriveled up on the floor, white like a paper doll. All of Kwani's spiritual powers have been removed from Yinyu and returned. Shelyon rushes to hold him up. Your Highness Yin Yu! Kuan Yin cries out, I'm sorry, Shishang. I only know how to fight, but I can't beat him. When Kuan Yin cries, his blood and snot splatter all over Yin Yu's face. <laughs> Yin Yu gets annoyed and shouts at the last of his strength, I told you to stop that. Uh, never mind. Just drive me to my death. What a funny way to react. Instead of being like, I'm sorry, or whatever, he just says, shut the fuck up, Kwaniza. You're so annoying. I'm so sick of you. God damn it. <laughs> so, I feel so bad for you and you. Oh my God. Yeah, he'll never catch a break. I know, uh, literally, <sighs> definition of not catching a break. 
As Shailan holds him, Yin-Yu's eyes fill with tears and he whispers that he's already known that Kuan Zen is a genius and that he himself is ordinary. He knew this from the beginning, but he still couldn't accept it. He wonders, perhaps when he told Kuan Zen to go die when he was wearing the brocade immortal, what if he really meant it? Shailan hugs him and tells him that it's all right. After living another hundred years, he'll learn that none of that is important. Whether or not he really wanted Kwani Zen to die, it doesn't matter. Everyone has felt resentment and has had those thoughts. Even Shailan thought about massacring the entire world and almost went through with it, but he didn't. In the end, thoughts are thoughts, and the most important thing is that he hadn't actually done anything wrong. Yin Yu sobs, but in the end, I still think it's so unfair if I was already destined to be no one remarkable, then at the very least, I wanted to be a kind and perfect person. But I couldn't even do that. It's really so unfair. And truth be told, even in this moment, just thinking that I'm dying for Yizen, that little dummy, I still can't get over it. I can't even let go and die with a heart with no resentment and no regrets. What is that? Shellyon comforts him. Your Highness, you've already worked really hard, and you've done very well. You're already much, much better than most people. Yin Yu gives a small chuckle. <laughs> better than most people, huh? But I wanted to be a god. Shellyon replies, But Your Highness Yin Yu, there's actually no god in this world. Wow, what? Uh, what a somber end to the chapter. What a quote also. There is actually no yeah. God in this world. Uh, literally, yeah. I mean, the God that Shelleyon looked up to is actually a fucking ghost. So like, <laughs> what the fuck? Some, oh man, I feel so bad for uh, you. Oh my God. It makes me wonder though, like how do people become gods then? Because it feels like Junwu controls so much of this and he chooses. Like he Didn't he choose to ascend Shelleyon to begin with? So ascension comes from the, the divine, um, those like cha- the heavenly cha- calamities. So those are ruled by fate. Yeah. So that he didn't really control it because all the, the fate of the world has its own like separate thing. But Jinwu sure does have a lot yeah. of spiritual powers and a lot of control over heaven. That part is true. Yeah. Because like what had happened was like it was at that moment that Shelian had like sprinkled water or whatever onto the grave of the so there was a, a the ghost of the bridge and he defeated it um and he lay the yeah. ghost to rest and he said that famous line um body in abyss yeah and immediately afterwards like he went to bed and he woke up and he was a god in heaven and no no it was at it was right out it was right when he defeated him that he ascended because that was like that was the heavenly calamity yeah his defeat of the king the yeah. ghost on the bridge yeah Yeah. so it's just kind of like because he met Junwu at that moment Junwu appeared and was like hi what you doing over there young boy yeah what you doing (laughs) little boy what you doing you saw him defeat him and was like whoa (laughs) you ghoul (laughs) and then the other thing is okay so Yin Yu was a god he got banished and he has a cursed shackle so what but Junwu is the one who issued the curse shackle the curse shackle has nothing to do with like the godliness like that's nothing to do with heavenly calamity or godhood Mm -hmm. that's just something that Junwu came up with yeah so that's all his invention so what keeps Junwu on earth like what keeps him immortal all everyone worshiping him like literally everyone worshiping sorry Yin Yu with the curse shackle 
So, uh, so once you run out of um, spiritual energy, you like dissipate. And I'm sure that Huaqing is like feeding him energy to keep him alive. Is the curse shackle there to keep him around? No, no, no. The curse shackle doesn't keep you alive because even if you have a curse shackle, you could die if you have no more believers and no more energy. Because like yeah. the person that Yin Yu was banished with, his like little friend who gave um, Quan Yi Zhen the, mm-hmm. uh, the armor in the first place, like Jin Wu already, like Jin Wu mentioned this in the dialogue. Jin Wu was like, oh, I know that Hua Cheng helped put your friend's spirit to, le- to rest after he died after during banishment. Because that guy died, died. Yeah. And he could have turned into a resentful ghost because he had a lot of resentment. But Hua Cheng helped Yin Yu put his spirit to rest. So that's also probably Hua Cheng is keeping Yin Yu alive. Yeah, that because, makes sense now. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I was always wondering, yeah. like, why is he still around then? You know, like, because everyone else doesn't like No, because he's a very useful assistant. He's like number one yeah. assistant. Such a good assistant. Yes. What a great secretary. He's like the best secretary ever. He's the best secretary. I want him as my secretary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, who wants to apply? Who wants to be Yin Yu for us? <laughs> I, want, I want a Yin Yu so bad. He's oh like perfect. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my gosh. Best. He like knows what you want. He can anticipate what you want and like does it for you. No questions asked. Like, mm-hmm. best. This Love is it. it. And he wears a mask. I don't know. Something about masks just like makes people hotter. Yes. Mysterious. Mysterious. But anyways, oh my god, I just fucking Yin Yu just wanted to be a good person. Like he, he, he thinks he's gonna die right here, and his last words is like, "I know that I have a heart full of hate, but I just wanted to like die with a clean conscience and like be a good person, yeah. even if I'm not strong. I at least want to be kind." But he's like, he feels guilty that he couldn't even be kind because he wanted his Chishong to die because he was like so angry with him. But like. I mean, it's just like a normal human feeling, man. Like sometimes you're just mad at people. You can't help it. And the intrusive <laughs> thoughts don't have to be action thoughts. Actions. Exactly. Yeah. I love that line where Shalyan is like, thoughts are thoughts. Like actions are more important. Chapter 213, Breaking the Standstill, A Well-Timed Gift. Xilan realizes that the cursed shackle Jin Wu took from Yin Yu not only has Yin Yu's blood, but also his soul imprisoned inside. He immediately gets up to go find him. The main heavenly road is empty of people, except for the guards keeping the gods inside their palaces. Shailan ignores them and goes to the Great Martial Hall. Inside, he sees Jinwu sitting on the throne, staring at the cursed shackle. On the ceiling, the fetus spirit crawls upside down on its four limbs like a creepy reptile. Shailan yep, lunges for the cursed shackle, but Jinwu dodges him each time. It's like a scene from um, Train Spotting when the baby was crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Like, he's so, this, this, this fetus spirit is so fucking creepy. Every time it's described, I'm just like, ugh. It's like always like growling and slobbering and like has like fangs and shit. And he's always like doing creepy. Like, they describe him as like a hairless dog, like with this like wrinkly skin. Like, oh, so gross. Yeah. Um, Disgusting. And, also, I like there's this there's this little tidbit that the author like Shelion sees that all the you know all the martial gods are being locked in their palaces and guarded, and he like ignores them. And he, his thought process is like, oh well, they never helped me, so I'm not gonna help them. Like that's literally in the book. Like it's so funny, <laughs> so petty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Shelion shouts, "What use do you have for that thing? Yinyu isn't even a threat to you, completely insignificant in your eyes. Why did you say all that stuff to him? What's the use in your keeping that thing? Jinwu only smiles and keeps the shackle just out of reach of Shelyon's grasp, like a father playing a fun game with his child. Shelyon wails with frustration. Are you mental? Jinwu chastises him. Shelyon, that tone you took is rather disrespectful. Shelyon curses with anger. I'll show you some freaking respect. 
But before Xilan can move, the curse chakra around his throat suddenly tightens, cutting off his air. Xilan's vision goes black and he clutches at his throat, falling to his knees. Jinwu sits calmly on his throne, petting the fetus spirit like a cat. Finally, the shackle loosens and Xilan bursts into a series of violent coughs. Jinwu warns him to behave more obediently and not to forget that he has two shackles on him. Xilan glares at him with red eyes, still coughing. Jinwu smiles and says, it was Xilan who had asked for two of them. Xilan realizes that earlier when the Guoshi lunged for his neck, he was trying to remove the shackle since he knew what it really did. The Guoshi was just trying to help, man. Just trying to just help him. Xilan touches his neck, feeling the cursed shackle. But then his hand touches something else, the chain for the crystal ring that Hua Chen gave him. Xilan immediately grips the ring tight, his heart pounding uncontrollably. He realizes what that ring really is and stuffs it inside his robes. Just then, Jinwu gets a message from the communication array. It sounds like it's a heavenly official who doesn't know the situation in heaven. Jinwu lies and says that he has locked down all communication and is investigating every heavenly official to weed out any spies. Blackwater already infiltrated heaven by pretending to be the Earth Master, so this is a very believable lie. The person talking to Jinwu offers to come to heaven to assist, and Jinwu agrees that they should come. Xilan is worried for them since all of heaven is under Jinwu's control. When the communication ends, Xilan asks who is coming. Jinwu smiles and says, What's the rush? You'll see soon enough. Xilan is surprised that Jinwu is letting him stay, but Jinwu says that Xilan will act as his right hand and stay in the hall. He threatens that if Xilan plays any tricks, he'll destroy all of the heavenly officials. They're all insignificant anyways. He orders Xilan to tidy himself up since the guests will be arriving soon. That's some manipulative shit. He acts like such a fucking prick. Yeah, like he's like, go clean yourself up. We have guests coming. Also, like, you can't do anything. So just sit here and look cute. Yeah, what just, the fuck? just sit here and smile. Just sit here and look pretty. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, it's so annoying. He was such a dick. He is. Ugh, like, remember how I said, like, everything he says is, like, super patronizing. Like, the description is super patronizing. Like, oh my God, yeah. shit pisses me off. Shelyon doesn't speak and crawls up from the floor, dusting himself off. Then he moves to stand at Jinwoo's side. Jinwoo nods with approval, just like that. Shelyon is curious who the guest is, since Jinwoo is going out of his way to lie to them. An hour later, the doors of the Great Hall opens and the Rainmaster comes in, followed by a group of farmers. Shelyon is surprised. Why is Jinwoo wary of the Rainmaster? They exchange greetings and Shelyon plays along while thinking of a way to tell the Rainmaster what's really happening. The Rainmaster asks about the lockdown and Jinwoo says that after Blackwater was revealed, he discovered over 50 fake heavenly officials in the middle court. So he had to lock down the upper court in case there were more spies. They discuss further and Shelyon realizes that Jinwoo's lies are so perfectly covered with no flaws that he can't warn the Rainmaster without risking the other officials' lives. The Rainmaster sees nothing unusual and asks if there's anything she can help with. Jinwoo says no, but the Rainmaster says that she'll stay in heaven in case she's needed. Before she leaves, she turns to Shelyon and says, Your Highness. Shelyon's heart beat fast. Did she finally notice something? But the Rainmaster just says that since she's been gone from the heavenly capital for so long, she brought souvenir gifts now that she's returned. Shelyon doesn't know whether to laugh or cry, but Jinwoo tells Shelyon to go ahead and accept the gift acting like an elder patronizing a child. A farmer steps forward with a package. 
It is wrapped very tight, and the rainmaster says that it's nothing valuable, just local specialties grown from the earth. Holding the package, Shellyon's face changes, but Jinwoo doesn't see it since he has his back turned to him. Then the rainmaster leaves. Shellyon is also about to leave with the package, but Jinwoo stops him. He takes the package from Shellyon and says, "Now you may go." Shellyon returns to his palace and paces restlessly in the hall. Some time passes when suddenly he hears a bright voice call out to him, "Your Highness!" Immediately, Shailan whips around to the window to see a young man in a headscarf perched on the windowsill, grinning at him. Shailan is overjoyed and rushes over. Are you Salong? The young man laughs and jumps down, pulling off the headscarf, revealing a handsome pale face and long black hair in a high ponytail. Ah! Ah, he's back. Hotching sighs and says, Guga, my dear Guga. This time, wanting to see you is as difficult as ascending to the heavens. Earlier in the great hall, when Shellyon accepted the gift, it wasn't the package itself that made Shellyon's face change. The farmer who delivered the gift had held his hand and squeezed. When Shellyon looked at the farmer's face, it was covered in a headscarf, but the light in his eyes were visible and familiar. Now that Huaqing is with him, Shellyon feels like finally there's nothing left to worry about. Yay! He's back! Oh my god, he infiltrated his way into heaven. I was oh wondering about when he was gonna show up. <sighs> he made it. He made it. Ooh. Yeah. So he. Um, so like like obviously the rainmaster knows what's up because like she snuck Huaqing in. But like everyone is playing this really fun game of pretend because like like Jinwoo is like yes everything is fine here nothing to worry about <laughs> and the rainmaster is like yes everything is fine I'm going to my palace now yeah oh yes <laughs> yeah. sir of course everything is normal uh-huh. fine 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 everything is normal yep <laughs> no one is nope <laughs> no one's disobeying you at all you're the god emperor yes. everything's okay Every- yes you are still the emperor not a fucking demon. There's no fucking fetus spirit in the fucking palace halls. Like, oh my god! It's just like crawling around. Yeah, what like the a f- fucking. It's just crawling around like a worm, reptile, snake Disgusting. thing. Like it's so creepy. Yeah. I hate the fetus spirit. I never like the fetus spirit, no matter what it does. It's just just uh, gross. It's just gross. Yeah, I agree. It's so Ooh. weird. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I and also Shellyon, the ring. Fucking took Yo. him this long to realize what's going on with the ring? I knew from like the beginning when he was like, oh yeah, uh, they're ashes. Yes. They've given to the yes. lover. And then they fucking, he woke yeah. up and it was around his neck. I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was like, same, same. I was like, come on, Shellyon. Like, get your shit together. Yeah. And he only realizes it now in like the worst like possible situation. Also, <laughs> like, I'm like terrified. I was like terrified for that ring for the longest time because oh, it's a smoking gun, God. you know? Yes, it's like oh my god! Any sec- any second now, that thing is gonna get crushed, and Huaqing's gonna die, yeah. and we're all gonna cry. Yeah, <laughs> any second now. Yeah, I've read fanfics, yeah. and it traumatized me. I was like, no. Did, did, did I send you the fanfic where Jinwoo like pretends to be Huaqing, yes. and then in the end, oh yes. crushes the ring. Yes, so and he crushes it. Fucked. So fucked. Dude, that fanfic fucked me up. Yeah. I said this to everyone. Like, I don't even, they don't, they don't even read. They don't even know what fucking Heaven Official Blessing was. And I just sent it, I sent it to like Kelly. And she was like, what the fuck am I reading? I sent it to Beth. I sent it to like literally everyone. Yep. I was like, this thing has destroyed my heart. Yep. And I need you to suffer with me. Yep. Yep. That one ruined uh, me. And I, uh, sometimes so I just want people to write 
like what happens after the fact, like how sad it can oh, be. Oh, like when he like loses his mind. Yes, <laughs> I just want to see it. I want to. I just want to see that the was suffering. Such a fucked up fan Focus oh on the suffering, God. please. I love. I love the suffering. <laughs> You just want everyone to cry. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, dang. That was just uh this this I uh, also the way that Jinwoo talks to Shalyan is like so infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. Chapter 214, Breaking the Standstill, a well-timed gift. Shanan runs to Watson and hugs him before he can even step forward. Watson chuckles and places his hand on Shanan's back. But then Shanan remembers the human array and asks what's going on at the royal capital. Did he leave Shi Chuan to guard the array by himself? What if Jinwoo notices that Watson is missing? Watson replies, Don't worry, Guga. That's already been taken care of. No flaws will be exposed for the moment. Shanan figures that he probably left a clone behind and doesn't press further. Just then, Watson remarks leisurely, it seems Guga really missed me very much. <laughs> the flirting begins. Shalyan has been holding Hua Cheng tightly this whole time, not letting go. Embarrassed, he loosens his grip and straightens himself. He changes the subject, asking about the Rainmaster. Hua Cheng smiles and says that Jinwu had no choice but to let the Rainmaster into heaven, so he was able to enter with her. Then he says, Guga, don't worry, it's fine. You can keep holding me like that. I don't mind. Shalyan clears his throat and says, No, it's all right. Thank you. But why can't he do anything to the Rainmaster? Watson explains that the Rainmaster is the only heavenly official that manages agriculture. If the Rainmaster was killed and no one is able to replace her, agriculture will go into chaos and the people will have no food. People value food above all else. And if people can't eat, riots will occur to topple the gods. On top of that, the Rainmaster has no temples, doesn't live in the heavenly capital, and has no desire for power, so there's nothing Junwoo can do to control her. His position is stable as long as the Rainmaster manages agriculture, so he has to keep up pretenses around her until he can find another plan. Wow, that's a lot. That is She's powerful. So different. She controls food. Watching and Shelyon leave the palace. On the way out, Shelyon notices that all the guards have been frozen in place by Watching's petrification spell. Huacheng also releases thousands of silver butterflies, turning them invisible to disperse throughout heaven. Using the butterflies, they avoid all the patrolling guards. But suddenly, Huacheng grabs Shelyan's waist and hides them, just as the fetus spirit runs by, with Jian Lan chasing after it. She realizes that the fetus spirit has run to the palace of Feng Shen, and her face twitches. What are you doing coming here? The fetus spirit begins wailing while chewing on a white radish, and Jianlan immediately cradles its deformed figure, speaking to it gently. Shelyan thinks that only a mother could love such a horrifying-looking creature. Shelyan realizes that the white radish is the gift the Rainmaster gave him. Junwu must have opened the package and then tossed the radish to the fetus spirit, like a bone to a dog. But just then, the fetus spirit jumps out of Jianlan's arms and runs into the palace. Jianlan has no choice but to follow it inside. Shanan is worried that the fetus spirit will hurt Feng Shen and looks to Watson, who tells him that he's already planted a butterfly on Jianlan so they can monitor the situation. Through the butterfly, they see that Jianlan is quietly tiptoeing around the palace to get Shoso without alerting Feng Shen. But Shoso has already hopped into the main hall where Feng Shen sits meditating. Feng Shen is stunned and delighted. Jianlan, why have you come? Are you all right? You've come just in time. Help me. But he is interrupted by Swoso, who forcefully throws the giant radish at Fengshen's face. <laughs> Fengshen falls back with the blood streaming down his nose and shouts, 
What are you doing? Stay still, will you? Soso ignores him and screeches, slithering its tongue. <laughs> gross. So gross. Fengshin tries to grab him, but Soso bites his arm with his sharp teeth and clings while Fengshin shakes his arm. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? Are you looking for a beating? What the hell? Jenan shouts out, Stop! What right do you have to yell and beat him? Fengshin is taken aback. He... He recognized a crook of a father. Why would he be on Junmu's side? How did he turn out like this? Jianlang clicks her tongue. How? Isn't it because of you? It's the father's fault for only raising without educating. If it wasn't you slacking off on your duty as a father, would your own son be dug out from his mother's womb to be made into something like this? What the hell? The hell you gave life to? Benjin mumbles out. But, but I didn't know about this at all. And at the time, it was you who told me to scram. Jian Lan says that she told him to scram to help him. He was already exhausted and annoyed serving the crown prince. And on top of that, trying to collect enough money to earn her freedom. He was better off leaving, but too embarrassed to leave himself. So she had to send him off. Feng Xin replies that he was exhausted at the time, but never annoyed with her. He wanted to redeem her. John Lan jabs at his chest and shouts that he was already working every day, busking, to earn a few pennies for his crown prince and emperor. There is no way he was ever going to earn enough for her freedom on top of it. Pension says, You didn't say this at the beginning. We even made promises. I always keep my words. But John Lan interrupts him. There's plenty of promises, swears, and oaths out there. But think a bit for yourself. What have you given me, huh? Other than that golden belt. Oh, wait, it was only that golden belt. And you even said over and over never to sell it. Fenshin backs up with each word, looking stiff and shamed. Jenlan grows angrier and angrier, saying that he gave her a useless protection charm that brought nothing but bad luck, and she couldn't deal with his temper growing worse. It's better he left before he can grow to complain about her, hate her, and get annoyed with her, and never want to see her ever again. Oh my god, I, the relationship is so sad. I know. It's really sad. She's like, I'd rather you leave before you hate me. So just like, just go. And Feng Shin's like, but I, I love you and I wanted to give you your freedom and I wanted to raise enough money. And he's, she's like, you're fucking broke. What, how are you going to get this money, you dumb bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my God. I would say their relationship is the most normal, like not normal, but yeah. like the most um, realistic. realistic, yes, out of yeah, like any yeah. kind of relationship so far. <laughs> yeah, because like they're just they just met at the wrong time. Like he was in a bad spot and she was in a bad spot, but they liked each other and they had a kid together, except that was just not going to last because there's just it was too complicated. Shellyon mm-hmm. and Fengshin are both speechless. Back then Fengxian was his servant and good friend, but not a slave. He was allowed to build a home and have his own family. But unfortunately, he found his family during the toughest time of his life, during Shellyon's banishment. Shellyon and Fengxian were struggling too much at the time to make anything work. Perhaps Lan had already seen it coming, so she chased Fengxian away. But even during that difficult time, Fengxian did everything he could to support Shellyon and his parents. He even gifted John Lan with protection charms to bring her luck. She must have believed in the charms to have tucked them in the robes of her unborn child. Jianlan looks like she said too much and picks up the fetus spirit, leaving quickly. Fenchin calls out after her. He pulls at his hair in frustration and begs, Come, come back. I'm still, I still feel, 
I, I want to take care of both of you. I should take care of both of you. I have a duty. I, I promised you. Jianlan turns around and says, no need. I know you're disgusted with this son of yours. It's nothing but some demonic creature in your eyes. It's fine. I'm not disgusted. Fenchen shouts out, I'm not disgusted. Jianlan asks, then how come you're so mean to him every time? Can you really take him for your own son? Fengshen replies, as long as it can return to the right path, how can I not? Jianlan sneers, then let me ask you again. You're a heavenly official. Do you dare to recognize it as your son? Fengshen is taken aback. The fetus spirit is a demonic creature. How could Fengshen recognize it as his son? If he did, his worshippers' merits and reputation would be greatly affected. So recognizing basically means to <sighs> announce to the world, huh? Yep. You would have to be like, like, who would worship him? He's like, wow, you had an illicit affair with a prostitute and then you had this like demon child and now you're like the demon child's father. Like, who? What kind of God is that? <laughs> uh, yeah. But also yeah. the... The baby didn't choose to be a demon it's true. child. It's true. It was ripped out of its... But it looks really fucked up, man. Like, I don't know if anyone can look at that thing and be like, yeah, that's a yeah. godson. <laughs> Has anyone drawn fan art of, of it? Yes. I posted a picture of it in the earlier docs. It's like gross it has like black eyes and like melty skin like really saggy like skin Ew. and like claws and like the entire background of it was like black and shadowy and it was like really disturbing like it was some like Ew. video game horror character shit Ooh. yeah Ooh. <laughs> i love it no gross <laughs> there's so much happening i know there's literally so much fucking happening I know. oh my god everything's kind of like getting to this crescendo of like of like multiple plot elements coming together. Like Ling Wen is there with the broken immortal and the fetus spirit is back with the whole the Feng Shin drama and uh, Shelly and, and Hua Chang are just trying to like leave. Yeah. <laughs> and you and Pawnee Zen. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that whole shit. Lan Chan Cho and Chi Rong. Mm, everything's coming mm. back at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone's just going to resolve at the same time. Okay, so let's talk about our... Off topic. Oh, off topic. Okay, let me pull <laughs> yes, let's talk one. about our off topics. So this one is real messed up. Uh, it's um, oh. Grandmaster Demonic Cultivation. Okay. It's called Unhidden Truth by Sarah R. And I will say, here, fair warning, the, it's only good for the first like three chapters. And then oh, no. after it shifts into a different thing, which I'll get into, okay. it starts like falling apart after that. And I didn't, like I just the, stopped reading. The I, writing or the plot or like? The, the plot and the writing both fell apart after that. Okay. The premise starts off so strong and I love it so much. Okay. So okay. it starts off post-canon where Wei Wuxian, Lan Wanji and Lan Sijui, like they're all together, like, you know, living in their happy life, but something horrible happens. Okay. I guess during a night hunt or something and all of them die. I think, I think with this one, Oh, I can't remember exactly what was happening with this one. If it was the burial mounds that became like sentient or something and then ended up like okay, killing okay. everyone slowly. So like Jang Chen dies first and then like uh, his son dies and then Lan Wanji dies and then he himself dies. Okay. Okay. And Dang. he wakes up and he wakes up on the day that he got kicked out of the cloud recesses when he was 16 years old and he's on the boat to go back to Lotus Pier. Okay. So this is where it starts. And he had just died so his like brain is all like fried from having like experienced the trauma of watching everyone around him die so he's like right. in that mindset okay. he's not in the like 
original yingling patriarch waking up uh, in most Shan Yu's body type of brain, right? Like where he was just like, yeah, whatever, right, right. I guess I'm awake now. No, this is like, uh, he's like in like mid panic mode. Trauma, yeah. And so the way that this is written is like, he's just like, what, what is going on? Where am I? Like, where, what year is this? What, who are you? Like, where, like, what is going on? He's like really panicking. Yeah. And uh, he can't stop thinking about how it's all his fault that everyone's dead oh, and no, he's no yeah it's like real dark i love yeah. you know me i love the darkness yeah this is that's not right up your alley and like mine. uncle uncle jang uh is there like jen finally is there and he's just like hey what's going are you okay like they're on the boat and they're about brush. to land yeah. on lotus pier and they're like he's like are you okay and he's just like saying all these like weird things and he and he can't stop thinking about like how he can't live through all of the trauma again of like everyone's oh, no. fault like he hasn't seen Jen Fan Min in a long time, right? The last time he saw him, right. it was uh, when um, Lotus Pier was burning. And he hasn't right. seen Madame Yu and he hasn't seen Jen Yanli in decades. Oh, and no. it's oh, no. terrifying. Like he can't deal with Jen Yanli at all. Like the, the idea of her. And yeah. so when he sees her again, he has like the biggest panic attack. He's like, he can't even like look her in the eye. He's freaking out because all he can think about how, is I, how it's his fault. I love how like most, like 90% of the Murazushi fanfics I read, Wing has a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Every single panic one. Attack Wing. <laughs> he either manically ADHD or he has a panic attack about all of his bad things. Or he has a panic <laughs> attack. That's his, that's his, yep, that's him. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, so messed up. And so finally it culminates to when he okay. walks like past the um, training fields and Madame Yu is there training her disciples and she says all this like fucked up shit to him like how dare you like oh, come God, back like it's all your like yeah. you're gonna be the death of this sect and he thinks to himself Bruh. I'm gonna be the death of the sect and it's going to be my fault I'm that I don't know how to prevent no, this I can't wait, prevent, no. I can't live through this again and he takes out yeah. Swabian and slits his own throat no way fuck no what the fuck yeah what did not see that coming yeah okay and then yeah. what that, is that the end uh that was chapter one and so that, i'm just gonna oh, okay. leave you with cool i don't know if i want to read this or not because you said it goes kind of downhill okay actually yeah i forgot i have to tell you why it goes bad okay it goes bad because it's trying to be a fist fix it fic and he okay. tells everyone i'm from the future oh also len okay. wanji is also from the future Okay, so they both teleported. He, the, he also, yeah, they both got it. They both okay. time traveled. Um, and so he, they both convince everyone to watch the history, oh. he, to watch everything. And it they it kind of becomes a, everyone watches Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation. Oh, so it's, that's weird. And it stops being fun to watch, okay, to read. I see, I because see. it's just a full on recap. Of the entire show. Of the book. Oh, yeah. It's not even a recap of the history. It doesn't even start off with like 16 year old Wei Ying. Okay. It starts off with Mo Shan Yu. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? Okay, weird. Uh, so I kind of lost it okay. at that point. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this down. But up to that point, it was really, really good because it goes to everyone's perspective. It goes to like Madame Yu's perspective and Jiang Fanmin's perspective and Jiang Tan's perspective and Yang Li's perspective of all, everyone just like trying to figure out like what they did to cause this bubbly boy, Wei Wushen, to want to slit his own throat, yeah. to think that he was such a bad person in that moment to slit oh. his throat until they find out that, oh, you're from the future and there's a terrible a bunch of terrible things that happen. So I just kind of wish that like the yeah. author uh like 
kind of wrote it a little bit better but okay. like the pain the like the way they wrote like all of the pain was perfect nice. it was amazing i loved okay. it so much um so yeah uh check out the fic for the first like four <laughs> just, chapters like, half of it. <laughs> Yeah, just up until they decide to show everyone the, like, history gotcha. of what happened. Like, the future. When you're saying they showed yeah. everyone, they, like, showed they a They go into show. a... Met- <laughs> yeah, it's like a movie theater inside of their heads. Got it. Okay, that does not even like joking. They literally have to watch... Pretty anticlimactic. And also, they bring this, the kids in, too. They bring Lansu, oh, the juniors. Li, the juniors. They bring the juniors in, and the juniors haven't even been born yet. And I'm like, why are they here? They I didn't love, need to be here. What the fuck? Okay, I yeah. see. Okay, I understand yeah. now. So it just it just yeah. falls off. But like I said, the beginning is really, really well done. Like okay, just nice. very and I loved it up until that point. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. Okay. So Bleach White Linen by Monoceros Rex is a soulmate. I think I told about the old in, in person during SemiCon, but it's a soulmate AU. Hmm. And it's one where like find like there's a spell that exists where you can find your soulmate and your soulmate doesn't necessarily mean that you're like going to fall in love with them it just means that their your energies are compatible so um if you're injured and you have your soulmate near you you can it's good for your healing so basically lanjan gets into like a horrifying like accident that like destroys his golden core and his brother is desperate to save his life so he like does this like illegal like you're gonna go to jail for like the rest of your life if you do this ceremony like super illegal like spell that um binds lanjan to his soulmate whoever he is turns out it's weighing and he lives like on the other side of the country and weighing like literally is like talking with his sister when all of a sudden he like falls to the ground in pain because like the soul mark seal like appears on his arm because of the ritual yeah Lanjan's brother like finds a way to contact him and his sister and like begs Weying to like come to his side of the world so that he can like save his brother who's like lying in a hospital de- hospital bed like comatose and like dying. And Weying is like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. That's fine. And his sister's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like this guy like bound you to another person for the rest of your life. Mm. Like you're gonna like that's like that's like you're like giving up your entire future. And that's why the spell is like super illegal. But Wang is like, well, he's dying and I must help him because I like I must help everyone. So he like just like fucking leaves Um, and doesn't end up too bad. It doesn't get too angsty because like he ends up like saving him through like uh, Wen Ching is like the doctor and she like saves him. They like do this like ritual thing so that he can share his golden core with with Lanjan. But when Lanjan wakes up, he's like, I just I love these like meat cutes where Lanjan is like, who the who is this most annoying person? Like, why is he so fucking hot? But like, why is he also the most annoying person I've ever met in my entire life? <laughs> and they like like they're stuck in this hospital for like another month while Lanjan is recovering. And so like Wang like visits him every day and like talks with him and like like slowly breaks down his barriers. Um, and um, they play music together. There's like other kids in the hospital that are like like terminal like Aww. cancer patients and like elderly people who are like there on their deathbed and like Wang is like brightening up everyone in the Aww. hospital like bringing people together like playing music for them and singing for them and it's like it's like super heartwarming and it's like really really like touching and like about life 
and like finding your true love and falling in love. It's it's because they because Lanja like does not like him at, in the beginning, and then like he fall, like, slowly grows to love him like as they spend time together. So it's about like falling in love. Aww. It's really great. Anyways, I love fucking Soul Soul Mark. Yes, um, AUs. They're so good. Yes. They're so good. I love that too. Yeah, I always find it's though so that good. Soul yeah. Mark AUs end up being really short because you know they just find each other. This one, this one is forty four thousand words. Not too bad. Yeah, it's like. Medium. It's just hard yeah, to build a good. universe around it, you know, because yeah. it, it all yeah. you always end up finding that person somehow really easily. Yeah. Whereas the Hana yeah. hockey disease takes forever. Uh, that one takes forever. That one you just have to like get over your fucking self pity and like fucking. Let's talk about Patreon. No, oh, this is the part of our podcast where we talk about Patreon, in which I read people's comments. So if yes. you support us on Patreon, please leave us comments so I can talk about it, or else we I just won't have content to talk about. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> thank you to kate for posting on our uh, sumicon Yay, panel kate. she said wish i could have been there you guys did a great job well thank you Aww, so much kate. glad you like the panel if you guys haven't listened to our extra podcast episode it's where we explain um don may 101 to you you can send it to everyone you know so they can learn about what it's like to be obsessed with gay chinese wizards absolutely yep. gay gay chinese men kissing and hugging you know and fucking Good fucking. <laughs> Lots of fucking. Oh my god. And then thank you to Faceboy for saying on episode 43, yay, best cinnamon roll. Chi Chi Chuan is back. Chi Chi Chuan is the best. I love him so much. Yeah, he's so great. Um, and then we also like to thank our Chi Chuan tier, which is the highest tier. Um, thank you for all of your support. Yes. Thank you so much for supporting yes. us. Yes, thank you to Owl. Thank you, Faceboy23. Thank you, Kita. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, George. And thank you, Rob. Thank you for being our top tier patrons. And if you guys don't follow us already on Patreon, make sure to follow us on Twitter, where I retweet tons of fan art and yes. fanfics. And I just retweeted a fanfic that was made me sad. It was good. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. So um, I also retweeted a fanfic from Sentient Ren, who's one of my favorite fan yes. fiction writers for um, Urha, the dumb husky and his white cat Chizen. Uh, she has been writing my, this is my favorite AU. It's the Heavenly Rift AU. Uh-huh. Uh, she's the only one who writes for it. It's great. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. So she wrote, she started a new one called Bugwe Forge. And it's dark and oh. sad and i will cover it in another episode of um yes. our podcast but i will just say that i tweeted at her and i said you captured moran and chuan suffering so well i love watching them hurt and she replied well. back with thank you so much there's so much more hurt to come i actually <laughs> spent part of this morning plotting out ways to make the climax even more painful oh yeah she loves to give the ace. i love like, that yes, thank love you that. Uh, Love it. Love it. So, yeah, support all our fan fiction writers out there. They help um, oh God, give please. us content to talk about. <laughs> I love, they give me life. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have fanfics. <laughs> I know, right? They just wither into a ball. I need it. <laughs> need it. And as Shelion said, but your highness and you, there is actually no god in this world. No god. So at dark. Shelion, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Despair is the only thing we can trust. Have you seen the Mario movie yet? Yes, I love that little star. Oh my god, that fucking character killed me. I was screaming, yes. crying. It was, it was my favorite, and that's how I want to be. I was like, the fuck? Yes. <sighs> Despair. Finally, release. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. No more suffering. Bye. <laughs>